Uh, good evening. Good to be back with you on Sunday evenings. Toby's had an extended stint on Sunday evenings, and I, good to get back to my turn. So we're continuing training with the Twelve. Uh, our overall plan this year is to kind of imagine ourselves as Apostle number 13, traveling along with Jesus and watching him confront people or be confronted or discuss things and learn like the twelve did. Uh, he was preparing them for a, a pretty important job to start the kingdom of God on earth. And our task is to continue and grow the kingdom, so uh, we should learn some of the same things the twelve did, is our theory this year on Sunday evenings. We've covered uh, four topics so far. We started out, uh, topic one, we just met the twelve. We talked about them and who they were and their backgrounds and learned a little bit more about them. Then our first real topic, topic two, was religious liberty. Uh, where Jesus dealt with Pharisees and Sadducees and others uh, about uh, the Sabbath and about fasting and about washings and uh, the rules that they had, and he got in trouble with them all the time for that. So we looked at what he taught them about religious liberty. Topic three was prayer, which Toby handled about five weeks, I think. Uh, topic four was humility, which Toby just finished up three weeks on. So we start a new topic tonight, and that topic is kind of tongue-in-cheek called poisoned bread. Uh, the real topic is the leaven of the Pharisees, but since the disciples get confused about that, uh, we called it poisoned bread, and we'll figure that out as we go through tonight. Uh, this topic, I'm uh, pretty sure I'm going to spend four weeks on it. Uh, take us two weeks to get through what's on your handout tonight. We'll look at the event that caused this situation, his dealing with the Pharisees and Sadducees. Uh, and then next week we'll take off for uh, the holiday and have another topic. But then on the 12th we'll come back and see what Jesus taught the apostles about this event. Uh, he, that's where they got confused and thought he was talking about bread and he was talking about leaven. And we'll study that back page, basically, in a couple of weeks. And then since there's such a good tie-in to today, I think, on this, we're going to spend a week looking at uh, what's the leaven today? What kind of leaven should we be aware of, since the apostles were warned specifically about that? And then we'll spend a week about how to avoid the leaven. Once we identify it, we'll talk about what we can do to avoid it. So that's my plan anyway. Lord willing, we'll get there in a few weeks. All right. Before we get to the event of the Pharisees and Sadducees uh, challenging Jesus about something, let's go back just a few weeks. We don't know exactly how long it was. It might have been a few months. Uh, and see some of the things that have happened because it's really important to see where Jesus' mind is on all this and what the disciples were thinking about. So I put a few events from previous chapters, previous in the timeline. Uh, in Matthew 14, Jesus had fed the 5,000. Now, that was a spectacular event, you got to admit, uh, producing food for 5,000 people. 
uh, from nothing, basically. So everybody had seen that. The disciples had seen that. The twelve watched that. Okay. Uh, then Jesus walked on water pretty quickly after that. They'd seen him do that. Then he gave them a, a really long discourse in John chapter 6. Uh, the dozens and dozens of verses where he talked to them about being the living bread. How he was the living bread. And how, how they needed to understand that. Bear in mind, he's training them all this time. And here's some of the courses they had already completed. Uh, they watched him feed 5,000. They saw him walk on water. They listened to him explain how he was the living bread. And then he fed 5,000, uh, or 4,000, it should be, I think, in Decapolis, uh, almost immediately before this. Okay, During this time, and we don't know exactly when they all happened, but uh, they traveled. They went way up on the coast up to Tyre and Sidon, and then they came back down to the Sea of Galilee and went around to the southeast corner of uh, the Sea of Galilee over on the eastern border to the Ten Cities. Uh, they were doing all that while these things were happening. They were gone long enough that people seemed to have got over uh, the situation where a lot of them left. Uh, John chapter 6 uh, tells us about the time where I called it the, the sifting sermon here, uh, where Jesus preached a pretty hard sermon to them. In fact, it was real hard. I uh, don't think it would be the kind of sermon that would be received real well today probably. But in that day, here's what happened after that sermon, verse 66. It said, from this time... Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Okay. So that was back at the beginning of this time period. Uh, a lot of them just left. They said, whoa, if it's that tough, I'm not following him. Uh, they liked the feedings. They liked all the other things, but they didn't like his sermon there, so they left. Well, when he comes back this time to this area, it uh, seems to be popular again. Uh, either that or a whole bunch of different people had come out to see him. So all of those things had gone on, but mainly pay attention to the biggies, the, the feeding of the 5,000, feeding of the 4,000, walking on water, talking about living bread. The apostles should have known all that. Now maybe some of you are thinking, well, I remember some classes where the teacher talked about something, but when the final came up, I, I didn't remember it. Well, that's the 12. And that's the way they operate. Uh, they'd heard all this. They'd seen all this. But we'll see in lesson two of this that, boy, they didn't uh, retain some of it. Okay, the event itself is recorded in Matthew 16 and Mark 8 are the two places it's told and pretty much the same both places, but I put them both down so you can uh, see both of them completely. Let's just read through them, make sure we get them straight. Matthew 16, first four verses. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees came, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, uh, When it's evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to inter interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. 
So he left them and departed. Classic little piece of the way Jesus operates here. He deals uh, so differently with different people depending on their attitudes. Uh, A long time ago, probably probably ought to break that class out again. It was a pretty good one. Uh, I went through, not because I taught it, but I, I learned so much in it. I went through four Gospels and wrote down every time Jesus dealt with anybody. I talked to them, had a discussion with them, did anything with them, healed them, whatever. And then I separated those into the different groups. Uh, His friends, his enemies, people that were questioning, uh, the common crowd. I picked all the topics that I could find and looked at how he dealt with them. And it was a revelation about how he did it. Uh, sometimes, like this, he was just rude. You know, there's not much other way to say it. Uh, when they came to him with something like this, show us something. You know, he just jumped in the middle of them and then said, you're not going to get a sign. And turned around and walked off. Okay. Other times, somebody would come and ask a sincere question, and he'd... Spend all week with him if he had to. Okay? He knew people's hearts and attitudes. Uh, he, could, he could tell somehow. And he responded to that. And on this case, he knew what they were after. He knew why they were there. And so he dealt very curtly with them. He abused them a little bit first. He said, you can tell the weather. You go out and look at the sky and see what's going on, know what's going to happen tomorrow, but you don't know the signs of the times. You know, what he, in the back of his head, he was saying, God is standing here talking to you. And you don't know what's happening. You're asking me for a miracle. Okay? So that's the way Matthew tells it. Now, Mark, uh, similar, says the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Okay? Probably the same event. Uh, they asked for signs at other times, and we'll talk about those in a moment. But these are, due to the context, probably the same situation. Okay, so that's the, the event that started all this. Now, a couple of things out of this event that we need to recognize as important. First of all, the Pharisees and the Sadducees united to come test him about this. That's an amazing thing. Okay, Pharisees and Sadducees, uh, they sound like buddies, don't they? <laughs> they sound like they ought to be on the same team, but they really weren't. Had a lot of differences. Okay. Uh, they had some theological differences, uh, some pretty big ones, actually. Uh, for instance, it was the Sadducees that didn't believe there was going to be a resurrection. Okay. Uh, they didn't believe that was going to happen. Pharisees did believe there'd be a resurrection. So a lot of times you can tell when Jesus has a dealing with uh, 
a group, you can tell the theological differences by who comes. For instance, remember the story about somebody coming and asking Jesus, uh, this woman had a husband and then he died, and then she married another one and he, he died, and then she married another one and he died, and married another one and he died, and on and on, all seven of them. And they got to heaven, now who's going to be her husband? Well, who do you think would ask that? The people that didn't believe in a resurrection. So if you go look at that passage, it says the Sadducees came to Jesus. And they put that question to him. Okay, uh, Pharisees wouldn't ask a tr- trick question like that because they thought there was going to be a resurrection. Okay? Now, conversely, you read the story about uh, all of, most all the stories about healing on the Sabbath, things like that. Who do you think would be doing that? You go look at all those, and it's the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees were so strict about they wanted to keep the Sabbath perfectly. Sadducees weren't that fired up about it. They were a little looser on that. So when you read one of those stories, you go look at the first, and it's always the Pharisees that bring it. Well, here, these two groups get together that had so many things not in common. In fact, we're going to go through a little list here of how different they were. But they got together to challenge Jesus because he was he was bugging both of them. Okay? He was causing troubles for both their camps. Okay? I wrote down some differences here that might help you. The Pharisees were very, very zealous. I mean, they were fired up about protecting Judaism uh, in spite of the Greek influence and other influences from pagan countries. Uh, they were zealous about everything, according to as having to do with the law and all of that. The Sadducees, they were a little more laid back. <laughs> they were a little moderate on these things, is what we'd call it today. They didn't worry so much about all the jots and tittles and the, the little fine print and all that. They had other concerns. So they weren't as zealous about things. The Pharisees were intensely Jewish. That's what the Pharisees were formed for in the period between the Testaments was to maintain strict Judaism because Greek influence was coming in so much. How can we preserve ourselves, our identity, our traditions without letting this affect us? The Sadducees, on the other hand, said, this is kind of good to have some new stuff. They like to try new things. I like a little influence from outside. Some of these may start ringing a little 21st century bell with you here in a minute, and that's what we'll talk about week three. But the differences between Pharisees and Sadducees kind of common, actually, religiously. The, the Pharisees were very strict morally. Now, not personally, perhaps, but they have enforced it on everybody. Okay. Uh, the Sadducees, they didn't worry so much about being real strict morally. It wasn't one of their big concerns. Okay. So knowing that, who do you think drugged the adulterous woman before Jesus and said, can we stone her, can we stone her? Pharisees. That was their thing. Okay. Go read that story. It says the Pharisees brought her. Okay. 
the Pharisees were into religion, if you want to call it that. They protected the religion. Uh, it was their whole life, the law, all of the trappings of it, and all of that. The Sadducees were a little more philosophical. They thought about things. And even though the Bible, the Holy Scriptures talked about a resurrection, they, eh, we don't think there is a resurrection. They were a little more philosophical and like to think about things and dream up new things and try new things and all of that. Uh, their problems, what that last line is, if I had to describe what their problems are, why Jesus got on them so much, and he got on the Pharisees way more than he got on the Sadducees, but he got on them both. But the Pharisees, he got on them because they were hypocrites. They talked all this stuff. They, they, <laughs> they were big on enforcing the rules on everybody else. But they didn't practice it in their heart. It was all outward. It was all for show. It was just primetime religion to them. Let, let everybody see me praying, but I'm just mouthing the words probably. They were hypocrites. And Jesus, boy, he got on them. The, the seven woes were to the Pharisees. Yeah. Now, he got on the Sadducees too sometimes, but uh, not as much. Uh, hypocrisy got him. And then the Sadducees, they were more of this world was their problem. The Pharisees were all about religion. It was just kind of an outward, phony religion. The Sadducees were less enthused about religion and all that. They were into material things. They were into temporal things. They were politicians. They dealt with Rome. Pharisees didn't want to mess with Rome. They knew they had to, but they didn't want to. They wanted Rome out of there. They wanted to be Jews again. The Sadducees could see advantages. Well, we'll deal with the establishment, and we'll get along, and we'll get rich, and everything will work fine. That's kind of the politics of this bunch. Now, as far apart as they are, Matthew and Mark say, at this instant, at this time, they came together. They got a delegation and said, all right, let's go get him. And they went to Jesus and said, we want to see a sign from heaven. Okay. Well, what's unique about that? They ask for signs all the time. Uh, there's a couple of places we're going to look in just a moment and see where they ask for a sign. In fact, let's just do that now. Turn over to Matthew 12 if you got the book with you. We'll come back and study this passage in just a little bit. For, for now, let's just look at Matthew 12:38. It said, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. Okay, They asked for that quite a few times through the Scriptures. We want to see a sign. Maybe it was early in his ministry. Maybe they had heard rumors about him doing something, and they'd come asking for a sign. Well, by this time, Matthew 16, after all the stuff that we've already talked about, feeding 5,000, walking on the water, feeding 4,000, uh, all these things they'd seen, 
all the times they had questioned him about healing on the Sabbath, they couldn't deny the guy got healed. They were picking on him for doing it on Saturday. So they'd seen all these things. So at this point in his ministry, they get together with the Sadducees and Pharisees together, and they come and say, we want a sign, but not just a sign. We want one from heaven. I think that's key here. Because of other places where they looked at the sign and they had to disprove it somehow, but they couldn't because it was undeniable that he had healed somebody. So what did they do in those situations? They accused him of what? That guy got healed, but he got healed by Satan. That doesn't mean you're God. Satan could do that kind of thing. Okay, they had good backup for that. I mean, remember Pharaoh's magicians? They could do some stuff. Okay, we kind of wave it off as tricks these days, but I think they could do some stuff. And that's the way the Pharisees and Sadducees thought. All right, you're showing us these signs. Maybe Satan did them. You give us a sign from heaven. You give us something from up where God controls. Now, Elijah, he was a real prophet. Elijah said, God, send down fire, and he sent down fire. Okay? That's the way it worked. Moses said, God, send manna. And food fell out of heaven. Satan can't do that kind of stuff. Samuel, thunder and rain, called on it, here it came. I think that's what they were asking for this time. I think that's why it so frustrated Jesus. Other times when they asked for a sign, like I said, it may have been early in the ministry. They were really interested or something. I don't think they were trying what they're trying here. Uh, Here they're trying to eliminate him. And I say, show us a sign from heaven. Okay. What was Jesus' response? He sighed deeply in his spirit. Can you imagine that situation? Can you imagine? I mean, just think about it. All that Jesus had to put up with, I mean, all the people that were after him and against him and all that, plus the 12 who were just not clued sometimes, he had to put up with all that. And, but this time it says, when they ask him this, He sighed deeply in his spirit. Can you imagine how frustrated the Son of Man had to be to sigh deeply in his spirit? I mean, this was serious stuff we're talking about. Uh, That's a sign of how seriously he took this. That I've come down here, I've done all this, you know, and these guys... They can't see it. You know, I've done these miracles in front of them. I've fed people. I've walked on water. I've healed people. I've raised the dead. All that. And they won't see it. And if it was a matter of being able to convince them, I think he would have done a barn burner of some sort if he had to. But he knew their hearts. They didn't want to see it. They were evil. They were adulterous. 
They, they wanted what they wanted. They had their programs. The Sadducees wanted to play politics and get rich, and they didn't want anybody interrupting that. The Pharisees wanted to maintain spiritual power and control over everybody and get rich in the process too, by the way, and they didn't want anybody to interrupt that. So he sighed deeply in his spirit, and he called them an evil and adulterous generation. I'd like seeing the reaction on that one. So they knew what he was talking about. It doesn't bother us much today to be called an adulterous generation, but they knew exactly what he was talking about. All through the Old Testament, when Israel left God, when they went chasing after other gods, he called them adulterous. You've broken the covenant. Well, these were guys that thought they... Well, they had the covenant. That was their big claim. They were people of the covenant. They were people of Jehovah. They were chosen. He said, you're adulterous. You know, that fired them up. You know, they didn't like that one. Evil and adulterous generation. And then he said something kind of strange. He said... An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. No sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. And then he left. I wonder what they thought then. What is he talking about Jonah for? Now, most of them probably got it, understood it to some degree, because he had talked about it before. Okay. I don't think they understood exactly what he meant because when he said he had rebuild the temple in three days, they didn't get that. But he had talked about Jonah before, and he said, that's the only sign you're going to get. And they were going to get that in a few months. Okay, the, He explains it to really understand what he's talking about. Let's go back to Matthew 12 again. You kept your finger in Matthew 12 there. This is when they just ask him for a miraculous sign. And he gets right on them again. He answered, verse 39. He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, he gets rolling here. This is good. He says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Okay. There he tells them. I didn't hear that. It didn't register. Or if it did, they just said, what is he talking about? Okay. They didn't understand it yet. Now, remember when they did start to understand it. Remember when? When they went and said, we better seal this tomb. He said that thing, <laughs> and we didn't know what he was talking about, but maybe he was talking about coming out of the earth. We better seal this baby up good. Okay? So they did remember it eventually, but right now I think it went right past them. He said, that's the only sign you'll get. And then listen to him. He's cranking now. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. 
Whew. That stung. Nineveh was a whole bunch of pagans. Uncircumcised pagans. And God sent Jonah to talk to them. Jonah said, I don't want to go talk to those pagans. God said, you're going. (laughs) One way or another, we're going to get you there. And he went, and Nineveh repented. And so to the covenant people of God, this is what Jesus said to them. He said, at judgment day, the men of Nineveh are going to stand up beside you and condemn you. Because little Jonah went and preached to them, and they repented, and I'm better than Jonah. I'm somebody bigger than Jonah. Uh, Can you imagine the Pharisees' eyes about that time? They had to be in shock. And then he piles on them. He says, verse 42, the queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now one greater than Solomon is here. I mean, it's bad enough he's telling them they're going to be condemned by a bunch of foreigners and pagans. But also he's claiming to be bigger than Solomon. Remember when they accused him about Abraham and all that? And he said, before Abraham, I was. Whew. He wrapped it on them here. So now we know what the sign of Jonah is. And he reminded them, he said, that's the only sign you're getting. You know, three days after Pentecost, you're going to have your sign. You can either believe it or not then, but you're going to have your sign. But that's all you're getting. I'm not going to do any celestial fireworks or anything for you. I'll come out of the tomb and... Then it's up to you. Okay. So that's the event. Now, it's a good breaking point, but in case you can't come back in two weeks, the, the, the last part of the story is semi-funny. I mean, it would be funny if it wasn't so serious. But it is serious. As wrapped up as Jesus was here, sighing deeply in his spirit and all that, and so upset with them, Tell them they're not going to get anything and just turn around walking off. He got in the boat, and evidently, the whole ride across the water, he didn't say anything. He just sat there and stewed, sighing deeply in his spirit, probably. And when he got out of the boat on the other side and was walking away kind of to himself, he said, by the way, boys, he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they had been talking about the fact that they were out of bread. Okay? And he saw the blue says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. The twelve, poor pitiful twelve, said, whoa, he's telling us not to buy any bread from the Pharisees. Something's wrong with their bread. Okay? Now Jesus climbs all over them <laughs> for being that dense. But that's the funny part of it. The serious part of it is that's how messed up the 12 were, how bad their priorities were. They'd just been through this unbelievable experience of Jesus cutting the Pharisees and Sadducees off after he cut them down, and they're thinking about bread. Where are we going to get bread? 
after they'd seen him feed 9,000 people without any bread. So they had a little few problems Jesus is going to deal with in a couple of weeks. All right, if I give you a little preview there, you can go home and read it and get ahead, but uh, we'll finish up the lesson for the 12 next week, and then we'll talk about modern day leaven and how to avoid it. All right, the lesson is yours. Thanks for your attention. If you have some need this evening of uh, the Lord's invitation or you need something from this family as we're gathered together, we'd be glad to pray with you about things or whatever's on your heart. We'd be glad to help you with that. If you need to come, come. Let's stand and sing.